Happy Sunday, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of our Sunday Social. We have a very special guest in with us today. We have the Principal Chief of the Sac and Fox Nation, Chief Justin Wood. Thank you so much for coming in and, and talking to us today, Chief Wood. I appreciate it. It's, a, it's an honor to be here and, and to, to speak to your audience and to uh, just really communicate what's important to us, the Sac and Fox Nation, really all of Indian country. I love the fact that we're getting a new kind of a newer generation of of tribal leaders and we've we've noticed it across the nation and we've noticed it really a lot here in southwest Oklahoma is that a lot of I say younger people were, were I mean we're we're really kind of dare I say middle-aged but <laughs> but but to the what what we call the old guard um, it seems like they still look at us as if we're teenagers running around the, you know, the complex or the powwows doing doing those teenage things. Oh, well, absolutely. So I'm 29. I took office. Uh, I was 29 years old, and that was one of the first things I heard when I was running was he's just a little too young, a little too young to be chief. And I heard that before I, when I ran for a state office. I was a state legislator for two terms out of Shawnee. And I was 20 when I was running and 21 when I was elected. I was the youngest serving during my two terms in the, in the legislature. And that's the first thing I heard was he's too young. But one thing I want to remind people is that age is not synonymous with wisdom. And I think that's important to remember uh, because I don't count on my own self for my discernment and wisdom. I, I look to others. I look for guidance. I look for advice. And, uh, and that's, that's important for any leader to take. And I think if a young person understands that, then age really isn't a, a big deal. I think that's a that's a big deal for somebody to understand. I think a lot of young people don't understand. It took me a long time to understand that. To put away kind of that that I don't know, that macho feeling of I can do anything on my own and all you know, the like the old you'll get lost before you ask for directions type of deal because that's the way men are. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like Indian that's the way especially. it is. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, very, we're very stubborn like that. Right. And so it takes a while to, to, you know, I had a teacher in college that told me one time, it's like, it's okay to not know the answer. You just have to know how to find the answer. That's right. Know where to look for the answer. Know who to ask for the answer. We're in trouble if I'm the smartest person in the room. That's what I always tell everybody. we got to make sure we hire smart people, recruit smart people. Uh, every time I, I talk to our constituency, the Second Fox Nation, I ask them to get involved. We need all hands on deck. We have so many creative people and intelligent people, and it's important for us all to be involved. I think that's the, something, if I could communicate that to all of Indian country, is that get involved. I don't care if you're if you're younger than 10 or older than 60. I mean, get involved and have your voice be heard, because everybody is as important as the next. Yeah, that, that point of not being afraid of having somebody smarter than you that's a big problem in the oh, country. Oh, goodness gracious. That's that's the reason why we have so many tribal members that can't work at their own tribe because they're threatening to the to the people in charge. Oh, that is that is an issue. No, I, I remember I actually applied for a chief of staff position five years ago, four years ago at Second Fox Nation. And I was I felt like I felt like I was the most qualified person for the job. Oh, yeah. But I'm a child still with I was four years younger than I am now. And so I mean, <laughs> I had just left the legislature and I was I was considering taking a job in Tulsa and uh, I really wanted to stay near Shawnee and Stroud area and I applied for this job and they ended up giving it to somebody else who's no longer there. Uh, didn't right. last very long. Uh, <laughs> but it worked out. Everything works out. But we uh, but no, definitely I felt like that was a uh, that was one of my uh, weaker points was that I was a tribal member. I don't want that to ever be an issue. I want mm-hmm. our tribal members to have a fair shot every time they apply for a job and for nobody in the biz- on the business community to be threatened by that. And we actually hired uh, a tribal member to be our chief of staff now. We just we just recently did that, and she's she's amazing. She's doing a great job, and, and I think that uh, it's important for us not to fear uh, 
fear someone else that uh, that might be a little threatening to us because they're talented. I think that's a that's a fear a lot of people have, not just in tribes, but a lot of people have that fear of putting other talented people near them. I, I think that's a great point because one of the things that we've noticed uh, in our last uh, couple of weeks when we've been able to interview a couple of other uh, – this newer generation of tribal leaders, they they have more of there's more of a willingness to communicate across those tribal boundaries, across these and you know, down here in southwest Oklahoma, the Kiowas, Comanches, and Apaches share jurisdiction, the Wichita's Caddos and Delaware share jurisdiction. Tribes that historically don't get along get to now be intertwined right. with their governments and things like that. So it's really it's great get to, to share see, land huh? um, and, and all of the share. decisions. And everybody has right. to agree or nothing gets yeah. done. All three you know? tribes agree to this one thing so and, we can move forward and so it's great to see um tribal leaders opening up this communication and and really using social media and different platforms different online platforms like this one to reach their constituents and to reach their communities one of the things that impresses me about about certain tribes so certainly um Tribes east of I-35 uh, really are more community involved, I think, and have a um, have have a dedication to their local communities as well as their local tribes, and they work for their their constituency that it's outside the jurisdiction. Right. And that is so important. We forget that. I mean, we have a, have a tribe of, of more than four thousand people, and a lot of them live outside jurisdiction. That's one of the first things I heard when I was running for office. Of course, I think I may have been the first person ever to run for chief that communicated with every single tribal member that could vote. And so uh, I heard a lot of from people outside jurisdiction that came and voted for the first time or sent in absentee ballots for the first time because their voices were being heard. And we continue to do that. And uh, there are opportunities for us to serve them. And it does it is easier for tribal members who live within jurisdiction to receive the benefits that we have for them to receive those services. Uh, so we are we are exploring ways to better serve those people outside of our jurisdiction, and a lot of that has to do with uh, how we grow our own infrastructure to be able to handle that, and so that we're not just supplying people within our jurisdiction, but we're able to supply people outside of our jurisdiction when we become sovereign in a real way. Um, and so whether that's uh, food sovereignty or financial sovereignty, um, we're looking at every way possible to do those types of things so that we can better serve well, not just Sac and Fox tribal members but all those tribal members within our jurisdiction and then outside. Yeah, and that's a really interesting point, too, is, you know, a lot of uh, the Kiowa tribe just recently went to legislative districts. Right. I like that because you you actually have to have some kind of representation right. in, in certain locales, whereas me, I'm a Pawnee Nation member. Right. It's courting the votes that are right there in Pawnee. Who, who's going to be in our face every day? Right. And so, and, and so the rest of us who are outside that jurisdiction – we may or may not get heard. We may or may not. Um, we may or may not receive our absentee ballots. Right. That, so. that's a, and that is an issue across <laughs> Indian country is, is that type of communication. And who is it important to communicate with? And we have to realize elected leaders, especially and anybody that wants to be an elected leader, needs to understand that communicating across the board is important. And what I did was I actually mailed the uh, forms for absentee ballots out to every single eligible tribal member. Now, some of those got returns. We had bad addresses, but everyone that had a good address received one. And I think we had the most returned absentee ballots ever. And so it was a uh, it, it was an incredible amount of people that decided to vote. I'm sure I helped my opponents out by doing that as well. But that was important for me for people to communicate regardless who they're voting for. 
And that's a stance I took when I ran for office back in 2012. And the same stance I take now as, as an elected tribal leader is that it, I am filling a spot for a period of time. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to, it belongs to the tribe and tribal members. And if we can keep that mindset, then you're a better servant. And to be able to have that mindset and keep it, you have to communicate. And part of that is just understanding that everyone is as deserving as anybody else, especially today when they can get to you faster, they can communicate with you faster. And that makes tribal members more powerful than they've ever been. And now, they just don't get it yet. <clears throat> the communication part, that's that's a little bit easier, you know, to be able to reach out to people right. in that's out of out of district, out of state or out of your area or whatever. But how do you address the issue of actually receiving services? Right. Well, you, you have mean, to have the ability to transport those people a lot of the time. Yeah. And that's that's one of the major issues. And the other one is if you're relying only on federal funds, that hamstrings you because you can only serve people within your jurisdiction most of the time. Yeah, and I was going to say federal funding, that's that's the thing that you have to have anytime you're writing grants or anytime you're asking for federal funds is like, okay, well, how big is your service area? Right. Which, because, and especially here in Oklahoma with as many tribes as we have and our overlapping and checkerboarded jurisdictions right. and all of these other issues that are unique to Oklahoma tribes, um, you know, a lot of that... Ugh, it's it's really kind of worked against not kind of it has worked against us as far as federal funds as far as service area as far as being able for as, as far as tribes being able to serve those members outside. Well, we, we weren't supposed to function. Uh, I mean, yeah, that was and, not and the intent. That's yeah. actually was that was going to be my point is that you know uh, what's lost on a lot of tribes and a lot of tribal leaders is that these federal grants are only like, these are starter programs. They aren't supposed to fund your environmental programs right. I I for eternity. Right. The, it's not supposed to do this. It's supposed to help you get this. And I right. love that you said food sovereignty right. no, and important. financial sovereignty right. because there, there is a difference. And so, so where do you, where do you, where is your vision as far as that sovereignty goes? In in this time that you're serving your tribe in this capacity, so there is, there are a few good examples in Indian country of financial sovereignty, economic sovereignty, and to begin doing that, you have to uh, diversify your economy, and so you have to build your portfolio. You have to have a diverse portfolio of businesses, and you know sometimes you don't have to shoot for the moon. Sometimes you uh, you look for the best opportunities to start. And so that's that's kind of our focus right now. I say kind of. It really is our focus right now is diversifying that portfolio so that we can better serve tribal members and not just depend on casino dollars. You have to also understand that we're one of those 65-35 tribes with per cap. And so 65% of our dollars from the casinos go out the door per cap. 35% go to programs. And so that's uh, that hamstrings us when it comes to services. However, our tribal members really appreciate the per cap every year, which is we're, that's coming up November 9th. We're having our... our what we call our RAP Council, it's a special governing council, which will approve all those dollars for services. But it limits our amount of money that we're able to put into programs. So in order to do that, we have to look at things other than gaming to build out those programs. And that's not a bad thing. And I think tribal members are, are beginning to understand that. In the past, they may have, might have opposed some of those ventures. Um, but now they're understanding that these, even greater than a check once a year, are the services you receive year-round. And that's something that I've always appreciated as a tribal member are the services that I've been able to receive. Of course, I've almost always, I think all but eight months of my life, have I lived within tribal jurisdiction. And so that was just a few years ago when we lived in Tulsa when I was with Big Brothers Big Sisters. But 
so I've always been able to appreciate those tribal services. And uh, I think that's important for us to understand that. Unless if you want to grow, you have to diverse that uh, economy and not rely solely on gaming, which we've come to rely on. Many tribes have become to rely on. That just war- it warms my heart and makes my <laughs> grinchy heart go three sizes because of tribal leaders and spe- and and again this this new perspective and this new vision that 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 this the the newly elected tribal leaders and 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 it does that has nothing to do with age. I'm just talking about the new legislature sure. that are we we know of several tribes in our area who have completely changed leadership. I mean, not I mean. Like you said, it's not just age, it's just a progressive it's, mindset. It's a progressive like. mindset. And and so I think that in order to do that, we do have to get beyond gaming. Please, dear right. Lord, let us get beyond. Yeah, like gaming's the only thing. I find it really funny to sit here and, and be considered progressive, which I do believe myself to be. I've always considered myself to be progressive, but I, I'm a Republican. And so I, uh, when I was elected, I was re- elected as a Republican. That was one of the things people didn't like about me when I was running for chief was that I'm a Republican. And so, which <laughs> I was considered a moderate Republican in the House, uh, and uh, and Shawnee is a very it's a it's a fifty fifty House seat, so fifty percent Democrat, fifty percent Republican in that House seat that live there, and so uh, it was it was easy to be moderate, and that's just who I am anyway. Uh, so uh, to, I love being called progressive because I've wanted to be called that for so long, <laughs> and so it's 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 nice to hear that. And other people have called me that as well, but I think any tribal leader has to be if they want their tribes to move forward. And so as we, as we come into our, our per cap season, we'll be distributing our per cap at the, in the middle of November. And our tribal members really appreciate that. And that's something that's important for us to be able to provide for those tribal members. And, uh, but what the cool part about that is we also approve our dollars for services. And so uh, tribal members actually get to, we, the BC, so myself and the rest of the business committee, we provide a, uh, a blueprint or a suggestion for what services should receive the other dollars that are available, the remaining 35%. And so then tribal members that show up for council get to decide whether or not they like it. If they don't like it, they can rearrange it and create something different. But there's that limited amount of dollars they can use. But this is the time of year that excites me because we're looking at what our priorities really are. And, I mean, is it is it uh, elders this year? I mean, it should, it should always be elders. It should always be your young people. But that money is limited. Until we're able to diverse that economy, it is very limited. We're not the Chickasaw Nation where we can, you know, just throw money at something today and make it happen. And we have to build it. And so, but I'm a builder. I, that excites me. And so uh, it's uh, it's an opportunity for us to do that. But I really think that first step is looking at what the priorities are. We learn a little bit about that later on or early November, for sure, from my tribe. Well, and I think, I think to me, progressive, especially in tribal leadership, anybody who wants to look beyond gaming, anyone who wants right. to implement better services and look and, and, and one look of at the actual that, sovereignty. Absolutely. Oh, that's that word. That's absolutely. A, I mean, everybody loves to be, to claim sovereignty and all that, but then they love to take that government money. They love to get those those grants and everything right. else. So. And I, I think that we should utilize those services. Sure. I think that's important to do. And it's a I, means It's a means to an end. Right, though. but if that's all you're surviving on, then you're limited to how you can grow. And so uh, the food sovereignty is interesting to me because uh, not a lot of tribes have, have gone after that. And that's, we, we have a cattle program, and 
it hasn't grown the way the former leaders had wanted it. To, I think they envisioned it to happen, and they didn't realize how difficult that process is. Uh, but it's a step in the right direction. But because they took a step out and bought cattle, we're eligible for all these different grants. Oh, yeah. They didn't even realize that USDA. we were eligible for. We have this great new grant writer that came in. I think she came in the same day I came in. And she uh, she's looking at all of these grants for us to look at ways to become food sovereign. And, I mean, we are a sovereign nation within a sovereign state within a sovereign nation. That is crazy. And so for the, all that to work together... And if you want to be equal with those governments in a real way, I mean, I'm equal. When I step on the ground with the governor or the president or whoever it is, I'm equal, mm-hmm. right? President White Shirt, I'm equal. That's the, that's the way that should be. Um, but when it comes to what I can do and what they can do, totally different because of our lack of sovereignty when it comes to finances. And so when we're dependent on federal dollars and then the little bit that our casinos make, that's, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, those dollars that come in from casinos – pale in comparison to what come in, comes in from the federal government. That, that needs to be tipped. Our private industry should be way more than what we're bringing in from the federal government. And you have, But you have to leverage those dollars to make these dollars work. And so, I mean, it's, it's a process. Well, that's oh, what, yeah. You know, we talk yeah. about that all the time. A grant is supposed to be a way for you to build a self-sustaining program. Right. It's not supposed to be something that you just keep on renewing every year right. every year and you're supposed to keep on getting this grant. You're supposed to build something out of that and make it take care of itself. Dedicate, dedicate tribal resources to it. Figure out a way to dedicate those tribal resources. Now let's talk about the gaming compact. There we because go. I, you knew it. You well, it's my fault. It. I brought up gaming, it. so <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. Hey, we got to talk gaming. It's a good conversation. You know, you know but, 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 you know, uh, again, we, and we don't have to dedicate a lot of time to it because I, I'm not a proponent of tribes solely dedicating all of their economic development to gaming. Right. I don't think I'm not a proponent of per cap. Right. I don't think I think that money is better served in services. We have tribal and, members that believe that as well. That's not something that that's something that our tribal members would have to touch um, because of rap laws. And so if they want it, if they want to address it, they can. Um, right now, I'm willing to work with the way it is um, because right now we have tribal members that that depend on that. And oh it, yeah, and it would need to be a council decision to change something like that. Um, but we can work with with it the way it is, and I believe other leaders. And across across any tribes have have allowed it to hamstring them and just say, well, I can't do anything, so I'm just going to sit back and you know collect a paycheck, you know, once a month, and that's that's what I'm going to do, and that's not fair to tribal members. I mean, the tribal members that within their wisdom decided to place that per cap, especially ours, which is the sixty five thirty five, um, said, you know what, we're going to take the sixty five percent because we know better to do with it than you. You know what? They're probably right at that point in time. They were absolutely right. I can't do anything about what past leadership was doing. Um, but what I want is I want tribal members to trust me, and I want them to trust our business committee to make good decisions. And the only way to do that is to be open and transparent, and they're not used to that. A lot of tribal members across Indian country are not used to that. In fact, it might scare them if it happened. Oh, it does. So. <laughs> it does. I mean, we see it with, with our show. I mean, we talk about things that – people are uneasy right. with that the things that make them uncomfortable that they really don't want to talk about. right but gaming compact so i am 100 percent in agreement with almost every other tribal leader when it comes to uh, saying that our compacts are evergreen and they renew uh, on the first of, of january um, everything has happened to to make that true and real however uh, i don't 
I don't think that uh, that the governor believes that they're not renewing. I don't believe he really believes that. Now, okay, so you you've been Is in this the state legislature. I think this was a promise he made to his constituency whenever he was running for office because it was that he would um, renegotiate, renegotiate, yep. which he's trying to do. He's trying to do, <laughs> and the so that's that's what I believe it is now. Grandstand. So it's because a bunch of dumb voters believed what he was talking right, about instead right. of really. Well, it, I mean, well, he, he is doing. He is the he's way he's doing it, it. The way he's <laughs> did it was wrong, and so and I, I'm sure you guys have looked at the compacts, and but maybe people that are listening haven't. The compacts can be negotiated by either side. They can be either side can say we would like to negotiate. So the tribes can any tribe can not just all the tribes. Any single singular tribe can come in and try to renegotiate their compacts. The state can come in and try to renegotiate. So he's doing things that he's allowed to do. Uh, however, we don't have to. We don't have to be involved because it renews. And so that's it's the just the idea that's almost like he was going to strong arm the tribes into it, giving well, up. He all did the of wrong this. the wrong way by going in a newspaper and saying, "This is what's happening. Yeah. You're not doing enough." It, that's unbelievable to say <laughs> yeah. that we're not doing enough. Yeah, um, we don't. We don't have a choice but to be here. We're not going anywhere. And we give so much to these communities that we're in, whether it be roads and bridges or education. Gaming is a voluntary tax that we give over. We don't have to do class three gaming. That is not necessary for us to do. In fact, our class two games are more popular than our class three games, at least for our tribe. And so uh, the uh, it's not necessary. However, we know our constituency enjoys those gamings, and so so we'd like to continue to do them. However, it's not going to it's not worth giving in on something that we know is not right, and we know it's not right to have to renegotiate this part. At least the uh, the uh, uh, exclusivity fee does not have to be renegotiated at this point. And I think the governor also understands that, regardless of his willingness to say it. I think he understands that because he's not a stupid man. So it was just something he had to do because he promised it. I think so. And I also think he'd be able to get away with it. I think he thought he would talk a few tribes into coming in because he did have, granted, he had two letters from back two years prior to him taking office from tribal leaders saying that they'd like to discuss it with Governor Fallon. So that's, and now I have not read those letters in their entirety, but I've talked to those tribal leaders and they no longer have that they never no longer want to do that. Right. And <laughs> so, and that's a com- that's a complete changing of the guard though. I mean, you're talking about a completely different but government. But it was at within their it was within their yeah. right to request that renegotiation. Sure. Yeah. They sure. they just didn't have to they don't have to do it now. No, and and not only that, even though you request a renegotiation, that doesn't mean that you absolutely have to hold to any right. terms. And also they weren't admitting they weren't giving enough. And so maybe we aren't giving enough because there's never enough for education. And that's true. I think everybody in this room will agree that there's not a, there's not a number you can put on our children. Um, but you have to look at everything else. I mean, roads and bridges, what we do for our, our elders and the other elders within our communities, health care. I was just about to say. <laughs> I mean, those jobs, entertainment, these are things that would not be in rural Oklahoma without tribes. And so, I mean, they, no one's going to move. No one that didn't have to be there would have moved their company into Oklahoma to do the things these tribes have done yeah. without an incentive. And so right now they want to claim that the exclusivity fee is an, is an incentive because no one else can come in and game. 
I mean, give me a break. Yeah, like, like this, is, this is just the oasis that everyone wants to move to to build, bring their – the only people that want to bring any business here are petroleum companies. That's because they don't pay any damn taxes. <laughs> right. And so we, uh, <laughs> we uh, have this opportunity to educate the governor, and there's a level of ignorance – and that's not a bad word. There's a level level of ignorance because of his lack of involvement in Oklahoma politics, Oklahoma government for the past several decades. Um, he's here now. He's the governor of the state of Oklahoma. I look forward to working with him uh, on things other than the compact. And whether that's tourism, which is a big deal to my good friend, uh, Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell. Uh, tourism is, you know, that's his deal. That's what he's working on. Bring we're, back Indian City. We're right there on Route 66. <laughs> And so that's important to us, too. And, and so those are things that we can work on with this administration. What we're not going to do is give in to strong arming when there's nothing. To, there's, there's no the, – the power and the ball is not even in his court at this point. And you bring up a really interesting point, too, there, and that's one that I want to make in these last few minutes is governance. Um, let's talk about um, – I guess we'll we'll call it a lack of experience um, to to those. I'm a, I'm a wonk. I've always I've always loved wonky things and and keeping up with with government and politicians. I watch politicians like a lot of people watch football. Yeah, me too. Uh, because I'm a nerd that way. But you know, I, one of the things that that I have noticed is there, and especially with with the Trump administration coming in. There's a lack of, I say, faith in, in traditional governance. Right. Did did we, I mean, and, and we're starting to see that with it's the like tribes. It's like it's a positive thing to not know anything about yeah. governing to right. be yeah. governing Yeah, so, so how, do we, how do we make that part of it, that, that understanding that governance is important, and it's, it's completely different than right. actual, like, economic development or financial or business development? So let me, let me give a, an unpopular opinion, possibly. You don't have to have that governing experience if you're willing to put people around you that do have that governing experience. But what we're seeing is the decision-making of these first-time elected individuals or first-time in government. Maybe they've never – and people like that. That's a catchy thing right now. You've never been involved in government. You're not corrupt. Well, not all <laughs> government is corrupt. Um, that That's important to understand. Now – just like any profession, some people don't like police officers because of bad decisions some police officers have made. Um, or uh, teachers because of some bad decisions we've seen in Oklahoma with teachers that they've made. However, no matter what profession it is, from law enforcement to education to government, tribal leaders to political leaders in the state, there are good people and there are bad people no matter where you are. The separation is for someone to come in that's never been involved is they have to bring in someone else that knows what's going on in government because it's not like running a business. It never will be. <laughs> it's not that simple. Thank you. Thank you. There because are I, rules, written rules. But even. that's that's I mean, what it seems like tribal government has been based around for the past 20 years now is running tribes like a business. Right. When, you know, the big bad word that everyone's scared of right now is socialism but these social programs is what we need as that's what our tribes are supposed to be providing. That's what we're supposed to provide as a government, healthcare, right. education, you know, the, these things, emergency services, these things are things that we're supposed to be providing for our tribal members. Right. So, you know, there, there are good examples and bad, I don't know how much time I have left, but there are good examples and bad examples of that. And so what you have is tribal leaders who they don't have, an, they don't have the finances 
the, the economic ability to have a commerce department. And so these elected leaders, these chiefs, these governors, these presidents, these chair people, they don't have the ability to, to run government like they'd like to. I'd like to be able to sit at my desk and just do, you know, paperwork, sign stamp. things, stamp things. That's that's what people think stamp, we do. Stamp your signature. There are, there are days. <laughs> there are days that go by in which we're so involved in the day to day that you wouldn't even believe it. And that's not the way it should be if you're actually wanting to run a government. And that's what you're talking about. Yes. Um, but I mean, until we're able to get to that point, I mean, you are yeah. going to be hands on. And so, I mean, my goal is to have a commerce department. My goal is to have people in, in places to uh, create new jobs and new industries and, and for us to be a place for that. And uh, I'd like to be the one not running those things. But see, that that's what you're talking about is the thing that separates good leaders from most of these tribal leaders. And that's the ability to delegate. Right. Oh, you have and to delegate. <laughs> be yeah. able to say, hey, you know. Right. I'm going to put people in place that can do this that are smarter than me. Than right. Oh, do. goodness gracious. If I have to hear about it, there's a problem. Like it's not, it shouldn't have to get to the point where it gets to my desk or any other business committee member's desk and say, we don't know what to do. Well, we hired you for this job and we have some bright people working for us. In fact, right now we have over 50% uh, Indians and uh, 34% Sac and Fox tribal members working for us. And we have around 300 employees and that's important for us. And they're all very competent, great people. Right. And so they're these these are people that want to be there and serve. serve. We're not just handing jobs out to people that don't know what they're doing. We, and our goal is to educate these tribal members, future tribal that are young people, so they can come in and work for us. I'd love to hire a, a Sack and Fox person to come in and, and do a job. That's a fine line, though. So, isn't it? I mean, whenever because you see so many tribal members, that's something that I've noticed working at tribes is that some tribal members, they get in and they just get comfortable and that's right. it. They're just going to sit there. They're, they're, like I've seen administrations change over and somebody comes in and they're like, okay, everybody's going to have to start being here at eight o'clock and we're going to enforce a dress code and people lose their mind. Right. And that, <laughs> but unfortunately that's, it's not just relegated to tribal issues. It's what happens all over the place. The uh, getting in and getting comfortable. That's what the people don't like about government is that they have this vision. Of, but tribal government, you're related. That's the problem well, is that you're everybody's right. no, related. It's, it's very true, and that is a fine line um, that you have to walk. And when you when you clock in, you're not a relative of the chief, and that's something that we have. You are a, an employee of the tribe, and you're serving other tribal members. And that's important to remember, and that's the – and that's it's hard to get across to some people, but it hasn't been with us right now. And that's the goal is for that to be that way going forward. But that means we have to be very wise on how we – and use discernment with how we hire people. And if they're going to be the type of person that can uh, separate family and the workplace. And I mean, so far we're having a lot of, uh, we've very, been very fortunate with that. But Sounds like y'all are lucky. That sound, it sounds like the second Fox Nation is about to make some big moves is what it sounds like. Because once you have the right people in place, you're going to be able to do a lot of really I, big things. That, that is our hope and prayer. Yes, Absolutely. indeed. We have been talking today with the Principal Chief of the Sac and Fox Nation, Chief Justin Wood. Chief Wood, thank you so much for coming in and telling us about your it. journey and just the different things that the Sac and Fox Nation is going to do and, how, and the wonderful things that you're implementing to kind of bring your community together. Thank you for having me. Thank you, you so much. And don't forget, everyone, if you miss any of the live episodes, do catch up on anywhere you get your podcast, or you can access the podcast direct from our Talk Jive homepage. I'm Kelly J. Lewis with Thomas Ware III and Principal Chief Justin Wood. Everyone have a great day.